When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. All right, different schedule for First and Pod this week, and we appreciate you as always. Please tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review. We're doing these shows. We want people to hear them. So if you're like, hey, I know this person that likes the NFL, send it to them. Uh, <laughs> we, we will get to Pony's Steelers in a bit, but we are coming to you after, I think we both predicted this, a Bucks dismantling of the Eagles put them out of their misery. And I know we normally start with a question pony, but I'm going to just start with an observation. It's weird for people like us to call out professional athletes for effort and heart. It's just a weird thing to do, but they started the Eagles the first half and the second half with some of the worst tackling I've ever seen a professional football team put out in a game. And this game has stakes attached to it. This is a playoff game for a proud franchise that was in the Super Bowl last year with a franchise quarterback coach and a Hall of Fame center who might be playing his last game and a coach who is being ridiculed and Bill Belichick rumors. like You would have thought they would have come out with some degree of pride And I know they rallied a little bit in the second quarter and they made that a one-score game. But that was as lifeless of a performance as you could possibly see in an NFL playoff game. And I really think everything's on the table for Nick Sirianni and the future of the Eagles right now. I'm trying to think, and maybe we can get Spencer on this here. Has there ever been a coach the year after playing in the Super Bowl who was fired the following season? and didn't get any grace, didn't get any mulligan, didn't get any, all right, you you got us close to a championship. The next year we fell woefully short of what we wanted, and it was just so unacceptable that that fast, boom, the guy was cut loose. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, And so this would be, from where I sit, unprecedented, to fire Sirianni, I, I think that he it it proves who you surround yourself with, who your coordinators are, is a giant deal. Both of his coordinators left for other jobs. Steichen almost won NFL head coach of the year and almost got the Colts to the playoffs. Gannon had the Cardinals better than what the preseason expectations were when there were some who thought they could go one and 16 or two and 15, and they did much better than that. 
So I think he should be allowed to hire with the help of Howie Roseman and other people there, two new coaches. I also would say this about Sirianni. I don't know what he does. He doesn't call offensive plays. He's an offensive, he's one of the rare offensive minds in 2023, 2024, who when given a a franchise, Danny, doesn't take complete ownership over the offensive plays. And it I was fine last year with Shane Steichen. The dude clearly is really good at it. But this season, instead of firing the defensive coordinator, how about take over the offensive play calling? I mean, it just, it was abysmal tonight in the last seven games of the season. I have an answer for you, and it was, and I don't know what he does either. Uh, Don McCafferty, who replaced Don Shula as the head coach of the Baltimore Colts okay. yep. in, in 1970, uh, won Super Bowl five. That's right. A year, a year later, they're 10 and four, losing the AFC championship game. So after two seasons, they're 21, six and one. In his third year, they start one and four. The owner says, You got to bench Johnny Unitas. The coach refused, and he got fired on the spot 21 months after winning the Super Bowl. That's the fastest it's ever happened. And it was because in 1972, the guy would not bench Johnny Unitas. So we definitely could be looking at history. And Bill Belichick, it came out during this game that he interviewed for the Falcons job. Which job is better? Well, let's just flip that, okay? He, quote unquote, interviewed for the Falcons job. He was really interviewing them. Right. Agree. That's what that was. I mean, yeah. yeah. What work experience do you have? Yeah. (laughs) He's trying to figure out if he wants to go work in Atlanta. Atlanta's not trying to figure out if they want Bill Belichick. They want Bill Belichick. There's it's like when a high end NBA player becomes a free agent, they're trying to sell Bill Belichick on the idea of going there. The Falcons Um, tweet was just funny. We have interviewed Bill Belichick for our head coaching vacancy. It's like, congratulations. Um, See, this is another situation like what I've talked about with um, Jerry Jones. Howie Roseman already kind of lived this life where I think it was Chip Kelly when he was the coach there that like wrestled the, the control and power away from him. And he was, it was either, it was either Andy Reid at the end of his career or Chip Kelly when he came there. And Roseman was kind of pushed into more of a business role and was less about the football operation end of things. And having that life experience, I would think he would probably not want Bill Belichick to be their next head coach and would want to hire someone else. But Another good one. Spencer just found Bill Callahan was fired a year after they lost to the Bucks when he replaced John Gruden in Oakland. Yeah, my so, ser- yeah, good call. My search was for who won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and obviously, obviously, Sirianni didn't win it. But even if they don't fire Sirianni, man, like, so I mentioned Jason Kelsey. Does he retire? That'll be a huge story. AJ Brown, the dude was at a fight in Atlantic City. This that, that, that was going to be my next one. Like, is he going to demand a trade? He did in Tennessee. Jalen Hurts' contract extension hasn't kicked in yet. Oh, 
Like, there's going to be a lot of heat in question. And by the way, like, we need to be honest about ourselves here because we are on tape and video with this thing. We said that Jonathan Gannon was a nothing higher because of how the Eagles defense finished that season. Yeah. And then he just ran to Arizona and then lied, basically, in his praise of Kyler Murray. So then we get to come on and be like, hey, and now Nick Sirianni lost his coordinators that clearly mattered a lot. So, like, we didn't see that part of it coming. Steichen, we didn't know. Gannon, we definitely criticized. And we were talking about Hurts as – the resiliency and the toughness and the gamer aspect and what he did in that Super Bowl and the shootout and the loss to Mahomes. Like, this is a life comes at you fast, and it should be instructive for how we talk about Jordan Love, how we talk about C.J. Stroud. Like, you, you've got to stack seasons for us to really put you there. It's what I was trying to guard against for people saying about Trevor Lawrence. And I loved him coming out of college, but it was like, hold on a second. Let's not make him a top five quarterback in the NFL because before he's even had one elite season, he had an elite stretch of games. And, uh, you know, but like, I just, this thing with Jalen hurts is potentially very dangerous for Philly. If he isn't as special as he looked at the end of last year. Uh, I'll go back to the conversation I had with Micah Parsons at the Super Bowl when he when he grabbed my phone and he said, "Give me that. I need to compare it with mine because I want to pull up Daniel Jones and and uh, Jalen Hurts yeah. and their numbers." Because he said to me point blank that he thought if you if you swapped those two guys, Philadelphia would have been in the same exact spot. And that's coming from at worst the fourth or fifth best defensive player in the entire NFL. I mean, who plays both of them twice a year. Yeah. I remember right. when you told that story on the pod. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think Hertz gets lumped back in. I think Lawrence is a good call. I think he gets lumped in with him for a couple of reasons. They both had, they both had seasons that you could write off in some way to injury, right? Like Hertz clearly was not healthy this season. He was not playing at a hundred percent the play calling and everything else around him did him no favors, but you're paying him enough money now where you expect him to overcome a lot of that. So he's also built up equity where he's in this limbo state where it's probably it's, it is wrong now to put him in the Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, that group. He, he gets, he gets knocked either down to the second tier, Danny or the third tier of quarterbacks. It is crazy to me that, the Eagles won that overtime game to go to 10 and one. And it looked like, yeah, they might lose to San Francisco the next week, but with, with, with what's left on their schedule, they'll, they will be no worse than a two seed in the NFC. And the bills looked like they would need a miracle to merely make the playoffs. And Buffalo is about to host Kansas city the next week. And we're talking about the end of times and apocalypse stuff in Philadelphia. That's, yeah, that's, you, Ferris, it, it, that's Ferris you, Bueller. Life comes at you fast, brother, right there, man. No, you're right. And if people don't remember the specifics, I mean, it's non-competitive blowout against San Francisco, non-competitive blowout against Dallas, three-point loss to Seattle, one possession win against the Giants, loss against Arizona, blowout loss against the Giants, blowout loss against Tampa in the postseason. So that's losing six of seven games with four of the six being straight up blowouts. That's why I could not understand for the life of me why Tampa was the underdog in this game. Yeah. It made no sense. 
it's like people just ignored not only their losses, but the way they looked last week against the Giants was completely out of whack. They didn't look like, to your point, they wanted to be out there in this game or the game last week. They unraveled. They they looked like they quit, like they just were ready for this season to be over. And I do think that part of it is relatable to people where you get to a point and you just want that job to be done. You just want the school year to be over. You just want whatever task you're doing to be done. Like they, those guys looked like they were just ready for the season. Let's get away from this. I need time away from this work environment because it's toxic right now. I, I, I understand that, but it still is, even though we both said that they were going to lose and bet Tampa, it is jarring to see a team with that pedigree do it because it's not like the NFC is a tough path. And we should talk a little bit about Tampa, man. Like, Big picture, Baker's their quarterback next year. We've been talking about that for weeks, but there's no chance they go a different direction at that spot. They go to Detroit. You can score on them. That's going to be a shootout. Spencer's showing me that the opening of that number right now is five and a half. I haven't seen the total. Is it going to be lower than it was against the Rams? It opened at six, so people have already come in and bet Tampa Bay and brought that number down. But what's the total? Like, because because the Ram, the Rams Lions game was fifty one and a half in in Detroit. It got up to like fifty two. I kickoff. think it'll be I think it'll be mid forties. I think it'll be like I think it'll be somewhere between forty five and fifty. I I would yeah I would think it would be fifty like forty I'll just, four, four, 48 and a half with juice on the over. That number's going up, man. Like Tampa's going to be able to score on Detroit. They're going to be able to score on them. I still think that I still think my prediction that the Bucks and 49ers were going to cross paths in the playoffs is alive, very much alive at this. At I mean, this yeah, point. I mean, it's they're they're two of the four teams. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's alive. But I just I mean they, are, up, they do no, no have, team I was more wrong on this year. Now, the, the, the single wrongest I've been was about Tampa. They sure. do have some. They do have some 2008 Cardinals vibes about them. Team that kind of sort of backs into the playoffs with a not with nine wins from the from the NFL's weakest division, a quarterback. And look, Baker did not have Kurt Warner's success like he did in St. Louis, but a quarterback that's on his third or fourth team with talent there, wide receivers just like Kurt Warner had. In Arizona with Evans and Godwin and dudes no, like dude, that. He, I mean, he didn't have Kurt Warner's success, but he's not as good as Kurt Warner. But he, I mean, he had an incredible season. He really. That's did. what I'm saying. Like the the even like the the journey, like the arc of the players involved are very similar. Yeah. So, I mean, all it would take right now. I mean, to me, we saw this happen in 08 when the Eagles beat the Giants and then Arizona went to Carolina and Jake Delhomme imploded. And Arizona, as a four seed, ended up hosting the NFC Championship game. It's n- I'm not predicting this. But it isn't out of the question that we could have a Buccaneers-Packers-NFC Championship game back in, back in Tampa, which would just be wild, man. <laughs> that, that, I mean, yeah, that, that is... That is possible. Uh, that would be a very juicy parlay if you want to predict the matchup. But I think and we'll g- obviously get to this on Thursday's podcast. Even the teams that are underdogs 
and on the road in the divisional round and the lines might be big and they are in some cases, they don't feel to me like they're DOA dead on arrival underdogs like my Steelers were today. They don't I agree feel that. like that. I, I I agree with that. I agree. With that. There's one of them will pull off the upset when we have to figure out who by uh, by Thursday. The NFL is crazy, though, man. Like, we got one good game. Rams-Lions was a good game. All, f- five of the six straight-up non-competitive affairs. Interesting. Like, lo- lots of narratives and juicy storylines and incredible performances. Like, I was riveted by Stroud, and I was laughing at McCarthy, and I was mortified by Jordan Love, and... Mahomes and the Chiefs in the conditions were impressive. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not like I got no well, enjoyment. Think, well, think out of about it. this. Think about this. The Steelers fell behind twenty-one to nothing. Yeah, and were on the verge of falling behind twenty-four to nothing, and they ended up. They ended up acquitting themselves among losers, better than, uh, four better than five out of the six teams that lost this weekend. The Rams were obviously the best. But they ended up playing a better game. Yeah, they actually were. You're right. They were the, it was the second closest margin of victory. And they, they were, were down a touchdown ball. in the fourth quarter. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's crazy. That is absolutely insane. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, so that's a good place to transition to your game. Uh, is this a moral victory for the Steelers? No, you can't at this point. I mean... When you haven't won a playoff game since 16 and you're a team that has no losing season since 03 and you've got six Lombardis that you walk by every day, it's, it's, it's no, it's not that type of game. It's like, did they, did they fight till the end? Did they show more guts than the Dolphins and the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Browns Yeah, and the Browns, but that's such a, that's such a low bar. I understand they were. I listen. I'm not advocating for it, but I did think, given how big of an underdog they were, the weird situation going into the game, the quarterback they were starting, and the hole that they dug themselves. That's that's not a loss that I would rant and rave over. Oh, I'm not going to. Like you're not. Like I I expected them to get blown out. I thought they would get destroyed. They actually played, because of my low expectations for them, they played a better game than I thought. There's obviously some parts of the game and some things that happened in the game that you could quibble with and pick apart. But for me, the Steelers' end of things in this game is more about their future and about what happens with Mike Tomlin and where do they go with the quarterback position. He did not love that question. Yeah, Danny, I'm, I'm interested in what your perspective is on that from the outside when you see what is it? a reporter ask a question about something that is being talked about and not just on Reddit boards, but people like Adam Schefter and Jay Glazer are bringing up his future. So he gets asked about it after his last game of the season and he storms off. I mean, listen, 
it is everybody in that spot is playing a role. The reporter has to ask the question. No coach who's worth his weight at all in terms of PR savviness. And Tomlin's honestly one of the best football coaches I've ever seen behind a microphone at any level. I mean, it's riveting. He is so good at it. Obviously, he's not going to answer. So he could have said no comment. Uh, He could have said not the time. He could have shot that reporter, you know, uh, 10,000 knife stare and stared right through her soul. Like, obviously, ending the press conference for all the other media is Bush League. But that reporter did her job, and he did his job in not answering the question. He could have just, like, the only issue that anyone could take with that is that he didn't stick around to answer any more questions. And he made that reporter out to be, like, the villain to her colleagues if someone didn't get a story about a quote about like Najee Harris or something for their yeah, game. I, I don't think any of them cared about that, about that part of it. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so, but like you have to ask the question and he's not going to give you the answer. So all well, the only story is that he ended the press conference. Well, then, and, and, and Tomlin is so media savvy by doing that. He allowed for this to become a bigger story. And that's the part of it that I don't get. Why did he want this? Because that's going to be more than any, if anyone takes Anything out of the Steelers aspect of this game, which they probably would not have otherwise. It would have been about the Bills and how they now, after this game, look compared to the Storm, Storming off will make the talk shows because it's good video. Yes. Yeah. Did, but did that you, – you, you've watched every single press conference live of his. I obviously have not. Uh, he strikes me as someone who, after a loss like that, 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 that did not strike me as acting. Like, that did not strike me as calculated. Oh, I storm off. This is going to make me a part of the news cycle. Like, that that seemed like genuine disdain for the question and anger at the loss and the performance and the audacity to talk about the future. I think all of that's true. I, 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 think all of that's, I think all of that's true, but that doesn't mean it still can't be calculated or premeditated. So that that's what I'm asking. You think it was? Yes, I do. Really? Wow, yeah. that's cynical. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but you like, listen, I, you have a long relationship with him and with those press conferences. I mean, this is somebody who a few years ago, when uh, one of the Steelers, former front office guys who works at our station made a comment about how it would make sense for um, one of these big college football programs like LSU to make a run at um, Tomlin. And it was LSU. And Tomlin had this rehearsed answer about, oh, like there's not a there's not a booster with a blank check big enough for me to leave the NFL for college. Yeah, and he was yeah, offended yeah, yeah, and said, that. Do you think Sean Payton or Andy Reid get asked questions like this? By the way, they have, which was the funny part about it. Andy Reid got asked about the BYU job because he's an alumni. <laughs> yeah, like it happens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um so I think he's very aware. I think he's made aware of it by his staff. And I think he wanted, for whatever reason, he wanted that to be his message to people today. So the Bills side of it, um, they're dangerous. Like I, beating the Steelers is not in and of itself impressive. And I will be betting Mahomes as an underdog, because that's just a gambling policy of mine. I'm going to hope to get three, but if I have to take the money line, I I will do so. 
But I do feel a degree of vindication for all the crap in the heat that that team took preseason and throughout the season. And I just kept saying, they're dangerous. No one wants to play them. And Josh Allen did things that less than five people in the world can do. Well, let's let's be let's just be uh, transparent about who you're aiming that vindication at. It's really only two people. It's me and Nick Wright because for the most part, yeah, that's right. The football cognoscenti agreed with you, and Nick and I were like the only contrarians on the Bills to the degree that we were, which was I think at least for me, I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Um, and so you're just lashing out back at us, which is is your right, and yeah. We probably deserve it. I I did not think the Bills played a great game. I I thought they got, especially McDermott's field goal decision, looked like it had the potential to completely blow up in his face. It got his punter hurt. If he just either go, I mean, if he goes for it there or punts, if he picks either one of those options, it ends up better for uh, the Bills. The Steelers don't get a touchdown there because they're not driving the entire length of the field. Uh, even if it, they get stopped short and they don't get the first down, they've got to go, you know, 60 yards, 65 yards. Maybe they just kick a field goal instead. I mean, it really ended up being the worst possible thing to do there. So there's some of that still that exists with the Bills. I mean, I think they're starting to get – there were some tight sphincters there when Austin caught the ball to make it a one-score game. But it was reminiscent to me of the game against Miami last year where they got a big lead and uh, kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit in the playoffs. I actually like them more when they're in matchups and they either feel like the team is their equal or the team is maybe a step above them. And even though they've played better than Kansas City and they've won regular season games, I don't feel like there's really a bullseye on Buffalo in this game at all. And I think that that helps them in these matchups. I think they feel pressure when they're supposed to win or it's at a point in a game where like well, they are shooting. favored. Yeah, I know, but like they, you, a, you a know ton of people mean. are going to pick the chiefs. A ton yes. of people are going to pick the chiefs. Yes. Right. And I think they, 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 they are, they are not, it, it, this is going to be a split, uh, a split game among the, the public pressure. No question. Yeah. And I think they'll be in a, in spots now the rest of the way where they're in coin flip games or they're the underdog. This game, if they well, have I mean, to go to the Baltimore. Rest of the way, do you, I mean, early prediction. Do you think they're winning? Buffalo? Yes. Yeah, I, I do think so. Oh, wow. Okay. I just think the Josh Allen stuff is interesting. Like, he obviously was not as good this year as he's been the last couple because of the turnover number. I mean, 18 interceptions is way too much. But it is a pretty remarkable season. 4,300 passing yards. He rolls out of bed and gives that to you. He's given it to you now four years in a row. And he did not hit 30 touch, 35 touchdowns, which he had done the three previous seasons, 35, 36, and 37. He only gave you 29, but he made up for it with 15 rushing touchdowns in the regular season. Yeah. Had three through the air and one on the ground today. He's one of the five most dangerous offensive players in all of football. Like, he just is. Like, he... He, he's wild, he's erratic, he can lose you the game, but as we've talked about before, he never gets gun shy. So I, I just think some of the heat that he, like, yes, he had bad turnover variance this year, and he needs to rein that in a bit. But 
he's an he his best is as good as basically anybody in the league. He reined it in against the Steelers. I mean, I can't really off the top of my head. There was one where he he tried to throw the ball over the middle short, and Hayward almost deflected it. And because Hayward jumped, he had to throw it too high. And yeah, it, it was pretty conservative. It went off. Jo- it went off Johnson's hands, and if a defensive back had been closer to the ball, it would have been an interception. But out of, other than that, I really can't think of another uh, kind of brain dead decision that he made in this game. He played a he he didn't play. A, I wouldn't say a conservative game, but he played a smart game against the Steelers. Now a lot of that is there's no T.J. Watt, so he's not getting pressured as much as he would have otherwise. But if I'm a Bills fan, that's actually the the biggest positive from this game for me is that Allen did not Allen looked better in this game than he did in the previous three regular season games since well, I would even go back to the Dallas game. He didn't do much. It's yeah, really right. been, it's really been four or five games where he was quiet until tonight with the two touchdown passes or three touchdown passes and then the 50 yard run. All right, so we got our matchup. We will do it, obviously, uh, on Thursday night for your Friday morning commute. Uh, The divisional round is set. It is Houston at Baltimore, Green Bay at San Francisco, Kansas City at Buffalo, and Tampa at Detroit. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our executive producer. For Andrew Filipponi, I'm Danny Parkins. First and pod, peace.